to Alive Family Church. Man, we're so glad to have each and every one of you with us today. Whether you're joining us here in person this morning or you're tuning in online or watching later in the week, man, it is awesome to be a part of what God's doing here. And uh, we are in week three of a series we've titled Identity. And this month we've dedicated to looking at our identity in Christ, really diving into in Christ or in him realities. If you're not familiar with those terms or those phrases, really, what is and who is our true identity in Jesus, right? Like because of what God says about us in his word and because of what Jesus did for you and I, who are we? And what's our true identity? And as we've talked all series, the Bible is chock full of scriptures and promises that show us and reveal to us who we are in Christ. As you do a deeper study of these in him realities, you'll find over 155 verses in the New Testament alone that deal with our identity in Christ. These would be passages of scriptures that have the terms in Christ, in him, in whom, through whom, by whom, by Christ. I mean, we could go on and on and on that alert us to because of that, because we find ourselves in Jesus, we have access to whatever that scripture is saying. That is who we really are, right? And uh, as we did this last week, I want to do this this week and next week in case you missed it. If you would like a list, an uh, exhaustive list of all those 155 scriptures, we've put that together for you guys on a Google document. If you want to show them that QR code there, if you take out your phone and open up your camera app, you can scan that and take a screenshot or, or download that later. Uh, you can also uh, reference that later on the the live stream if you can't do that at the same time right now if you're watching at home and you're like I can't take a shot of my screen you can get that uh, and we'll send that out via the weekly email too I want to make sure we include that uh, this week as well so hey this is for you guys this is just to go deeper in who you are in him get these down in on on the inside of you meditate speak these scriptures memorize these scriptures this will really help you understand who you really are because we're not looking at all these amen <laughs> we can't get to all 155 this month but we are looking at the ones that the Holy Spirit highlights for us each week. And uh, for the series here, we have a, a core scripture, a key scripture that's found in Acts chapter 17, verse 28. That's where the Apostle Paul says, for in him we live and we move and we have our being. We like how the Passion Translation says it. It says, it is through him that we, we live and function and have our identity. In Christ, through him, we live, we function, and we have our identity. That is the heartbeat of this series, that you and I would come to the knowledge and greater understanding of us living and moving and having our identity and our being in Christ, right, and what that really means. And so uh, if you, in case you've missed either of the first two weeks of this series, just a really quick recap because I got a lot to get to today. And uh, man, but week one was all about Godfidence, right? We talked about having confidence in God, and when you put those together, you have some Godfidence, that, that our true identity is found in God, and we have to have confidence in who God is, otherwise an in-Christ reality will do nothing for us. It will mean nothing for us, right? We talked about the identity crisis that we have on our hands in culture, how Satan comes to steal, kill, destroy, and speak lies over our true identity, right? And we built our Godfidence by knowing whose we are, right? Knowing who to boast in, right? And then walking in that confidence. That was week one. Go back and listen to that if you missed that. It's really foundational. Week two, last week was in or out, right? So we answered the question and wrestled with the question, what does it mean to be in Christ? That's basically what we looked at all last week, right? We learned that in Christ is a locative case. It, it literally means in the Greek to be perpetually and, and infinitely locked up 
inside the person of Jesus Christ. Another way to put it is, it is our spiritual address. Just much like you and I have a physical address where we live, there is a spiritual address where you can live. And at that spiritual address, there are some benefits. We have God's righteousness that he made for us, right? We have the ability to stand before God without any shame, guilt, or inferiority as if sin never existed. Amen? The righteousness of God in Christ that we've been made, that we learned about last week, is that we have right standing with God. You and us, God, the Father, are tight. We're cool. We're good. He ain't mad at us, right? We're close. And we talked about the four different ways last week that we can renew our mind to stay in him. Number one, that we have confidence in his righteousness, not our righteousness, right? Ours is filthy rags, right? Number two, we're righteous right now, not later. We're not trying to get righteous. We've already been made righteous. We need to receive that. We need to, we need to walk in that, right? Number three, we talked about the difference between righteousness conscious and sin conscious. We want to focus on what God says about us, not what the enemy tries to pull us into. And the last thing is just remember to put on your new identity, right? We talked about how your clothes don't put themselves on your body in the morning, amen? And we can't, we got to intentionally put this thing on too. We don't, we don't just automatically get it. It's already been done for us, but we have to receive it by faith and we have to intentionally put on our new identity in Christ. And so if you missed either of those two messages, really encourage you, go back. We, we, we're on all the podcast uh, distributors and we also have YouTube and, and Facebook on the video messages as well. So you guys can go back and listen to those. But let's get into today because we ain't done getting into this good stuff. How many of you guys are enjoying this series so far? I've loved the study myself and I'm growing each and every day in my relationship with the Lord as we get into this. But today we're going to focus our attention on this simple truth. That Jesus is our substitute. Jesus is our substitute. If our identity is truly in him, then it's really helpful for us to know what we have access to because of what Jesus did for us. And so the title of my message this morning is, Can I Get a Sub? All right, turn to your neighbor, sit next to you and say, Can I Get a Sub? Turn to the person sitting on the other side of you and say, I didn't get anything. Not yet, not yet, all right? Can I get a sub? Now, some of you guys are starting to think about food again, all right? I didn't do it. You did it, all right? You hear that word sub. No, we're not talking about a sub sandwich this morning, all right? Jimmy John's, Jersey Mike, Subway ain't got nothing to do with our message this morning. Although, side note, it's a pretty good lunch option if you're confused and you need an option, right? Those are good sandwiches, right? Sub is short for substitute, all right? Can I get a substitute, right? We're going to dive deeper into what Jesus being our substitute means for you and I this morning. You guys ready for this journey? Awesome. Would you join me in a word of prayer as we go to the Father and ask the Holy Spirit to touch our hearts and our minds and open us up to what God's word has to teach us this morning. Father, we love you so much. We thank you. We're nothing without you, but we can do all things through you, in you, because of you. And so today, Lord Holy Spirit, we ask you to speak to every heart, to every mind today. Renew our vision of who we are in you. Show us what Jesus being our substitute really means and what that does for us in our relationship with you, Father. We love you so much. We thank you for all of this in advance. We receive it by faith. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So what does it mean to be a substitute, right? Well, if you look up the definition of substitute, it's really basic. We, we know this, right? It's one that takes the place of another. It's, it's a replacement, right? And, and oftentimes, I don't know, depending on when you hear this word substitute and depending uh, on the person, you might have a different connotation attached with the term. Like when I think of substitute, sometimes it has a negative connotation to it, right? Like, like, like substitute teacher, 
All right, now, now, if you are a substitute teacher or a teacher, God bless you, you are a saint. There's a special place in heaven for you. But substitute teacher day meant let's go cray cray day. <laughs> the one wearing the pants making decisions ain't here today and we can do whatever we want. When we had a substitute bus driver, it was like chaos in a yellow banana on wheels. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it, bad things happen on the bus, all right? I'm just telling you right, all right? Um, Substitute, right? It has that negative connotation, right? In sports, you, hey, can I get a sub, right? Sometimes the sub, depending, is a good thing. And sometimes it's like, oh, we're bringing in the less talented player to replace the more talented player. Let's hold on and see if they can get through this four-minute stretch and make sure we don't lose this game, right? Like, like a, su- a sub's coming in, right? We all need a break. If you've ever been to the store and you've looked at the difference between name brand and the generic substitute, Right? Right? You go to Myers and you're like, Coca-Cola Classic, that hits good. Then you look right next to it, Fago Cola. <laughs> how, how many of y'all know that Fago Cola, God bless it, you may like it, no offense, it's not Coca-Cola Classic, right? You got Mountain Dew and you got Fago Moon Mist. I don't know what kind of mist comes from the moon, but I ain't drinking it, all right? You go to Walmart, you're like, Dr. Pepper, 23 flavors, let's go. And right next to it is Dr. Thunder. Like, I don't know if I want to drink thunder in a can. I don't know if it's going to work, right? You understand that the substitute sometimes has a negative connotation. It's not as good as the original, right? On the flip side of that, however, sometimes the substitute is better than the original, all right? Maybe you, had a, you bought something, you were gifted something, and it was defective, and you wanted to exchange it. You went to the store, and you learned they don't have any more of that, right? Or, or that was discontinued, but they take it, and instead, they give you an upgrade. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like you get it. It was better. It was the model one up. It was a couple steps up. It's actually worth more money, but you got a free exchange. That's a good deal, amen? You got something better. Maybe you guys travel or fly for recreation or for business or whatnot, and you got assigned a seat, and you don't like where your seat's at, and you go up to that counter, and you say, ma'am, and she's like, right, and you're like, help me out here. Uh, I want to move here. I want an aisle seat, and instead of just upgrading and moving your seat sideways or back or front, I don't want to be by the back. It's loud or by the wing. That's scary. I don't want to do that. They give you first class. They bump you, right? Give you a substitute seat, and it's actually better than the seat that you purchased. Shoot, while we're talking about food and everybody's already hungry, let's go here, all right? Maybe you run out of ketchup, maybe you run out of ranch, you need a condiment, right? Somebody gives you some Chick-fil-A sauce. Come on now, that's some good preaching on a Sunday morning. That's a good substitute, that's better than both of those, amen? Y'all know what I'm talking about. When we say Jesus is our substitute, I'm saying and we're teaching that it's a good thing. This is, this is good news. It's going to make us better than when we were before we knew Jesus, right? And understanding this really helps us know our true identity in Christ. So with our time together this morning, I want to share just a, a few things about substitution, all right? You guys ready? If you're taking notes, number one is this. We need a substitute. We need a substitute. Whether you realize it or not, whether you believe it or not, we all need a substitute. And when I say this, I mean it spiritually, Spiritually, we need a substitute. Why? Because of what happened in the very beginning in the Garden of Eden. Let's go to Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 through 17 real quick, just to refresh our memory of what happened here. Then the Lord God took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may eat freely, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat it of it, you shall surely die. Now, we're going to come back to that word die and that, that, that thought for a second, but hold on here for a second. 
We know that Adam and Eve were created without fault. They were created perfectly. They walked with God in the cool of the day, just how God originally intended it, right? Had they not sinned, they would have kept living and going on and on and on and on forever, right? In the beginning, God's original plan was health and wholeness and provision and and long life, right? That was God's original intent for that. Now, we know, many of us know the rest of the story after these verses we just read, right? What happens? They eat of the fruit of the tree that God said not to eat of, right? And so sin enters the world, right? Now, remember, Adam and Eve, they're they're the first. First man, first woman. The original OGs, the, the, the original gangsters, all right, of humanity, right? Adam and Eve, right? And, and there are great, 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 great grandma and grandpa in humanity's family tree, right? Uh, you don't need Ancestry.com to figure that out. Like, it, they're the first, right? And they were perfect, but then sin entered the world because they made a decision that God said not to make, right? And because they're the originals, And the original sin, every man and every woman that comes after Adam and Eve is flawed and has a sin nature now, right? You see what happened when sin entered the world, right? They weren't perfect anymore. They were faulty. So something had to take place because they kept multiplying and humanity kept multiplying. And every new human that was ever born is now defective and has sin nature and is separated from God. Right? Are we tracking here? Again, just a little refresher of how this thing works and why, do we, why are we in church? Why do we need Jesus? What's this all about? It's because God had to do something about that sin problem, right? Now, God was sovereign. He knew we'd blow it, but he loved us so much that he gave us free will. Come on, now, he, he, he could have made us robots and puppets on a string and, and oh, oh, there goes the apple. No, no, Eve, no, and do what he wanted, but then we wouldn't be able to worship him freely. And there was such a risk that God took to love us deeply enough to know that if, we, if I give these guys free will, they might blow it. But I have a plan all along, amen? His name is Jesus, right? But God knew that there was no way in the world that we could ever get ourselves to heaven or make right what happened, right? We looked at it last week. Our righteousness is like filthy rags. We saw that in Isaiah 64, 6. So back to the thought that we just thought about. If you eat of the fruit, you shall surely die. Now, you guys know the story. They didn't drop dead after they ate the apple. What do they mean? What does God mean when they die? The moment Adam and Eve sinned, death entered the world. We got to understand that there's two types of death, two main types of death that the Bible teaches about. The first part, first death is spiritual death. And the second one is physical death. Adam and Eve experienced spiritual death first, separation from God. They were still kicking physically and their bodies were still operating, right? They later died physically. That's when their body expired or they, they ceased to exist, right? But this is a big deal. Because of the sin that entered in at that moment, mankind is now pronounced dead on the scene spiritually the moment we're born. We're separated from God. That's a bad condition to remain in without a substitute. Can I get an amen on that? God said, be fruitful and multiply. They did, and boom, 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 boom. Ever say, uh-oh, uh-oh, this is not good, right? What's the only thing that can reverse death? Life. 
The only thing, what's the opposite of death? It's life. And, 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 and I want to go to Leviticus 17.11 just real quick uh, to give you the context of what's happening. Leviticus, yeah, the book you try to read at night before bed and you go to sleep at. Yes, Leviticus, the word inspired by the Lord. Amen? Leviticus 17.11 that talks about the law and the day of atonement and all that. Back in the Old Testament, mankind did not have direct access to God. They can only get to God, and, and, and the prophet, priest, and the king were the three people anointed by the Lord to stand in the gap or to represent God's people back in the old covenant, right, under the law. And so uh, once a year, the high priest went into the Holy of Holies and, and sacrificed some animals and confessed the sins of the nation, and that's how they got their sins forgiven, all right? That was, that was Old Testament. Aren't you glad we don't have to do that this year, right? It's like, man, this line's really long. Like, um, I'll just skip the sin remission this year, and I'll just double up next year. Like, like, that would be really bad condition for us, right? And so in this day of atonement is what it was called. That's when the, these sins were forgiven. Well, in, this, in the midst of this context, we get to Leviticus 17.11, and we get a little nugget here of how remission or atonement happens for sin. It says, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that makes atonement for your soul. So that animal that was put on the altar, it wasn't just because it was an animal, it was because the blood was needed to make atonement or remission or pardon or forgiveness for our sins, right? So blood shed is needed, right? Now atonement, that's a big Christianese word. What in the, we don't talk that way. Hey, man, hey, bro, you know how Jesus was an atonement for you? Like, I don't hear people talking about like that, right? But atonement means to pardon. It means to uh, forgive. And, and, and it means to cancel. God made atonement for us, and the life is in the blood. According to the Bible, that's the only place where life is found, right? So, so back to Adam and Eve. They sin. So humanity's bloodline is tainted. Every human after that is tainted, right? When Adam sinned, all sinned. Now some of you are like, well, that's not fair. I didn't sin. I didn't do it. Life's not fair, right? Because one did it, all have that condition now. And the, here, here's the deal. God gave him a chance, amen? You can't say God's mean or he's stiff or he's a hard taskmaster because he gave them, he told them exactly what to do. He loved them that much. He made it very clear. But mankind disobeyed and sin entered the world, right? He gave us the power of choice. So, so we have this condition that needs to be fixed. There's some genetic engineering that needs to happen for us to be made right with God, right? Now, where does the new birth that we experience in Jesus happen? Does it happen physically or does it happen spiritually? spiritually so it has to happen in the spirit realm that's where the genetic engineering had to happen right something had to happen to change our fallen condition right and it required untainted spotless blood you see where i'm going here jesus was without sin hebrews 4:15 says for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with us in our weaknesses but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are yet he did not Sin. Because God came in the flesh in the package of Jesus and he walked on this earth and was tempted in every single way that you and I are tempted, yet he said no to it. He overcame it. He was that spotless lamb. He was that once and for all atonement sacrifice, that substitute that we all needed to take our place and to get done what needed to get done in the spirit realm. We will all still experience physical death. But we will not experience spiritual death if Jesus is our Lord and Savior. Amen? We know that Jesus came to die for us on a cross to set us free. 
and to forgive us of our sins. And so when Jesus becomes our master copy, every person after that, even in our family lineage, can have the righteousness of God in Christ as their destiny, amen? You can break some generational curses in your family tree by simply saying, Jesus, you are Lord and you are Savior, right? Now all those copies that grow up in the Lord, hallelujah, there's something different there, amen? And so three verses 21 and 26 puts it clear for us. It says, but now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed by being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe for there's no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at this present time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Come on, by his blood, the life is in the blood, by his blood, right? We hear a big word in there, propitiation. What on earth is a propitiation? Is that a swear word? Is that an awkward word? What is going on in the Bible? Jesus is our propitiation. Watch your mouth. What does that mean? Propitiation means winning or gaining favor. You're winning or you're gaining favor. Get this. God could not overlook sin. He could not do just like one of these. No, he had to take care of it somehow. So he sent his son, Jesus. Jesus is you and I's propitiation. What does that mean? Jesus is the one who wins us back to favor with God. Come on now. Because Jesus shed his blood and died on the cross, we are back in favor. We are winning and we can have right relationship with God in heaven. That is some good news. Someone say, can I get a sub? You got one in Jesus today. And so we need a substitute to fix our sin nature problem, right? And our spiritual death. And Jesus was that substitute. Let's take it a little bit further. Number two, let's dive deeper into Jesus as our substitute. Number two, Jesus took our place. He took our place. Get this. This is wild. Jesus came from heaven as a gift of the Father for the express purpose of working out our redemption as our substitute. Jesus came to do for you and I what we could never do for ourselves. Come on. We cannot earn forgiveness from our own sin, right? We can't undo our sin nature that the tainted bloodline passed down to us. We can't get away of the penalty of our spiritual death. We need a sub. Jesus is our substitute, and Jesus, our substitute, took our place, right? We all are, a lot of us are acquainted with this verse. Uh, in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's an in him reality, right? When we're in Christ, we have eternal life. The wages of sin is death. The message translation says, work hard for sin your whole life and your pension is death. Pensions aren't really common these days, but if you worked hard back in the other generations, you got a pension, right? You work your tail. If you work hard for sin all your life, guess what your pension is? Death. Comes every month in the form of a check. You know what I'm saying? That does not sound good. So without Jesus taking our place, without Jesus dying on the cross and taking our penalty, taking our punishment, right, we could still be spiritually dead and separated from God. That is not good. But, but 
God. Come on, somebody. But God did something about our broken spiritual condition through his son, Jesus. Let's take a look at Colossians 2, 13 through 14. When you were dead in your sins, that was all of us at one point in our life. Maybe we're still in that condition. If you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, there'll be an opportunity to get that right and make that right this morning. Amen? When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. There's an in him reality. He forgave us of all of our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. Oh man, this is huge. Jesus took our place. Jesus took our sin. Jesus took our charges. Jesus took the debt that we could never pay back, right? Jesus was sentenced and condemned like we were supposed to be sentenced and condemned, right? Jesus, it should have been us on the cross, but Jesus went willingly to the cross and he died for us. This is why Jesus is so important. Someone say Jesus. Jesus is our substitute. Without Jesus, we don't have a substitute. Without a substitute, we're still dead in our sins. If we're still dead in our sins, we're separated from God. If we're separated from God, we can't go to heaven. We can't live the true identity that God died for us. We can't be blessed to be a blessing when we're separated from what we're supposed to be. Jesus isn't a, just a, a mean, uh, like it doesn't, he shouldn't just be like a convenient accessory to our life, right? Jesus isn't just a good moral teacher. He isn't a made up figure in history to make us feel better about ourselves. Jesus isn't a good vibe or or a great sounding theory. Jesus isn't a crutch or a weakness to lean on. Jesus is God and he is our substitute, come on, and he is absolutely necessary if we want a relationship with God. May we not forget that Jesus didn't just come to make bad people good, Jesus came to make dead people come alive, amen? That's what Jesus' mission was all about. Without Jesus, we aren't forgiven. Without Jesus, we can't go to heaven, Without Jesus, we can't live the life that God intended for you and I to live. We need a sub. And guess what? His name is Jesus, Lord and Savior Jesus. Someone shout, can I get a sub? So here's the deal. If you're here today and you're like, man, I'm trying to clean up my life. I'm trying to make better decisions. I'm trying to do this thing called life right. I get that. I know what that feels like. You need Jesus. Jesus is your sub, right? Maybe you're, you're, you're floundering. You don't know what your purpose is in life. You're just grinding at this job. But you, you just, it feels like you're dying every single day and you've got no purpose. You've got no hope. Jesus is your sub. He, he wants to take your place, right? If you're exhausted and you're worn out and you just need some peace in your life, you have a sub in Jesus. Take advantage of that, amen? Because Jesus took your place. And check out what Paul said in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I love this perspective. As Paul got revelation of this, he shares it with us by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, it says, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me, and gave himself for me. So when we put our faith in Jesus, we take our place 
in Christ, right? This is what we talked about all month. When Jesus was crucified on the cross, guess what? So were we. Not physically, spiritually, right? Our old man, that sin nature, our death penalty, the person you and I were before we met Jesus was crucified with him on the cross, right? Paul said, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. We can have the same confession about our life. It's no longer Eric, the old Eric that lives, it's Christ who lives in me, amen? That changes our perspective. And that helps us live from our identity. Our true identity is found in Christ, and that's where we come alive, amen? And so, can we get a sub? Yeah, we can. His name's Jesus, and not just any sub. He's the best substitute, which leads me to my third and last point this morning is this. Jesus is the best substitute. You guys know this. You're well aware of this. There's, there's a lot of things that the enemy in this world will offer to you as a substitute to fill this spiritual gap in our life, right? And we, a lot of us, it's our testimony before we knew Christ, right? To take the place of your pain, of your shame, of your fear, of your loneliness, of your purpose, right? Of your separation from God. It may come in the form of drugs and, and other substances to numb the pain or alter your mind so you don't have to think about it. It may come through sex or lust or different forms of that sin, may come from achievement and success and just keep climbing the ladder and keep winning the wars and winning the trips and getting the raises and you just get lost in, in that rat race. It, it may come in money and possessions and just seeking everything that you can get, my, 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 me, me, me. It may come in philosophies and theories and other expl explanations that don't involve Christ of how things are the way they are. All these promise so much up front at first, and even in the midst of them, a lot of them are really enjoyable. But what I've learned and what I've seen and what I've experienced in this limited time on earth is they all come up short. Not one of them can be an adequate substitute for our spiritual condition and our separation from God. You see, Jesus is the best substitute. He always will be and he always has been the best and only reasonable substitute. And a lot, some of you guys are familiar. If you're not sports people, don't tune out on me. This is pretty fun. But about a little less than two weeks ago, there's a guy in the NBA called LeBron James who, um, who uh, became the NBA's all-time leading scorer. Quite, quite an accomplishment. Passed up Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in his scoring title, and uh, that's a big accomplishment. And LeBron and I, I have, I have a little thing with LeBron because we're in the same class. We graduated in the same class, class of 03. Uh, he, was, he was in my grade. He didn't go to my school, but he, he was in my class. So um, I personally got to experience firsthand the powerful substitution and the power of substitution, and it actually involved LeBron James. And so uh, when I was 17, back in high school, this is almost 20 years ago, actually over 20 years ago, gosh, 20 years ago, 17-year-old guy, our AAU basketball team, I played for the Michigan Mustangs, we were going down to Akron, Ohio, and that's where LeBron was born and from, to play a, a rival, an in-state Michigan rival uh, called the Michigan Hurricanes. The Mustangs and the Hurricanes go way back. They're, they battle it out. They all fight for the best of the best players in the state, and they always duel it out. Well, both of us were going to be at that tournament, and we were slotted to play. Cool. Let's take them down in Ohio. It don't matter, right? Until we get down there, we found out that the Hurricanes, they were good in themselves with all their great players, had somehow managed, I don't know if this was legal, to pick up a guy to add to the roster just for the weekend by the name of LeBron James. Cool. Awesome. LeBron who, right? Yeah. Yes, our team 
played against LeBron James. Now, some of you are like, I love, don't, 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 don't pull my leg here. It, it don't happen unless someone takes a picture. Cool. I've got a picture for you guys. Show them that. All right. Legit. This legit happened. All right. This is, this is off of my dad's digital Sony cam times 18 in. Take a screenshot of it. All right. 0.6 megapixels. All right. But if you look close enough, you've got 17 year old LeBron before he was Jack Diesel on roids, you know what I'm saying? Like just normal, skinny, 17-year-old Braun. Now he's good then. And the guy next to him is actually Eric Giso, all right? I know, that handsome guy, how could that be him? I don't, I don't know. So the good news for us was that he didn't play the first half. And he was on the bench, he warmed up, he was dunking through his leg, boom, everyone's like, oh my gosh, and he didn't play. Woo! So for, by halftime, we were actually winning. We were beating this team. And then after halftime, somebody comes to the scores table and you hear that buzz, and there was a substitution. <laughs> LeBron James is checking into the game. Oh, shoot. Guys, he came in and he totally took over and dominated. All right? It was, it was not pretty. Talk about a substitution. If you want to talk about the power of a substitution, you need to talk to our seven-foot center because it's forever burned in my memory. One play, LeBron grabs the ball, a guard's guarding him, and he's, he's playing around with him all the way up. He crosses this guy up. He takes just a, he's just a step inside the free throw line. He takes off. He does a cockback LeBron style. You know what it looks like, right? And he goes chest to chest with our seven-foot center and posterizes this dude. And then Jim goes nuts. You know, like you see, like the game stopped. People are all over the court dancing. There's NBA scouts. There's college coaches. Everybody's like, "Woo!" I'm even like, yeah, that was awesome. I got to witness that. Power. I'm not, I'm not lying at all. I got tape somewhere on it. I'll have to show it someday. But it is needless to say, we ended up losing that game. But it was a really cool experience, you know? Our coach knew this guy was gonna be a star in the NBA, so he, he arranged it so each one of the players on my team got to guard LeBron for one possession. So we get pictures like that, right? And some of you guys are like, well, how did you do, Pastor Eric? Now, if you know anything about me, I wasn't really known for my defensive prowl in the, on the court. I was like, a, just give me the ball and shoot it, and defense was not fun for me. So this is an intimidating moment when I'm locking up against the future NBA score, you know, leading score. But I do think, and I, I'm not 100% on this, but I, I believe I was guarding him and just trying not to get embarrassed like my seven-foot center. And I think LeBron took a 17-foot jumper, just a normal jumper over me, and he missed. And so what I tell everybody is, basically, I locked up the NBA's leading score. You can take that to the bank, all right? I added him two weeks ago. He doesn't know who I am. I didn't get anything. People are like, this is fake, Photoshop, right? It's like, it really happened. But for, I tell this story because it's fun. It's really cool. The, other, the reason I tell it is because forever burned into my memory is the power of the right substitute. When you get the right substitute in the game, things change, right? How much more is Jesus our perfect substitute? Hey, here's the deal. King James is good. But he ain't got nothing on King Jesus. Come on, somebody. He ain't got nothing on my Jesus, right? 
Under the law in Leviticus, in order to have atonement, you had to have a spotless animal, untainted bloodline, right? Free from any physical defects or informalities or blemishes in order for it to be acceptable sacrifice. Well, the Bible says in 1 Peter 1.19 that we were redeemed by, check this out, the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish or spot. Jesus was that substitute and that sacrifice for us. Hebrews 9, 11 through 12 says, so Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. He has entered into the greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made by human hands and was not part of this created world with his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, like in the Old Testament, he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. Guys, that is good news for you and I this morning when Jesus becomes our substitute. It doesn't, he doesn't have to die on a cross again. He already did what he's going to do, amen? We have redemption, we have forgiveness, our sin has been canceled, all because of Jesus becoming our substitute, amen? And so the reason Jesus is the best substitute is because Jesus took our place so that we could take our place in him. Does that make sense? Jesus took our place so that we could be in him. So we could have what he says we could have. And this should change you, man. Jesus took our sin and instead gave us his mercy and his forgiveness. Jesus took our sickness and our disease and gave us his health and his healing. Jesus took our unrighteousness and gave us his righteousness. Jesus took our death and gave us his life. Jesus took our worry and anxiety and gave us his peace. Come on, somebody. He took our sadness and our depression and our suicidal thoughts and he gave us the joy of the Lord that is our strength. He took our lack and he gave us his provision, right? He took our defeat and he gave us his victory. He took it all so that you and I could have it all, all because Jesus is the best substitute. Can I get an amen in the house this morning? Woo. Can I get a sub? Jesus is the substitute. That's good news. I don't know, that makes me feel really good on the inside. Because if you know Jesus, that's good news, right? He did all the heavy lifting for us, the stuff that we couldn't do in our own strength. He, he took our place, he took our penalty, he took our punishment. He redeemed us by his finished work on the cross. Guys, it's, it's a beautiful exchange. It's a beautiful exchange. We don't deserve it, but man, he loves us so much. And so we have to receive it freely. And when we identify with Jesus being our substitute and with his finished work on the cross, our true identity becomes forgiven, it becomes redeemed, and it becomes free. And from that place, we can live light and how God intended for us to live. Guys, that's grace, and that's the place that God meets us at every time. So I pray that you're stirred up. I pray that you're encouraged this morning. I pray that you're fired up about, man, what did Jesus do for you? What did he do for us? right? He is our substitute because we needed one. And he, 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 he fulfilled it. He took our place. He traded places with us. And he's the ultimate substitute so we can take our place in him. Would you go to God this morning in prayer with me as we thank the Father for this beautiful gift of Jesus and the best substitute you and I could ever receive. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, 
thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for this truth that Jesus, you are the sub. You are the greatest substitute that this world has ever seen, will ever know. Jesus, we thank you that you took care of our sin problem, our sin nature, the separation that all of us have on default from God. Jesus, you took our place. You traded out all the harmful things that the enemy in the world has put on us and you gave us all the great things that you promised us in your word. Father, we are a new creation in you. Old has passed, new can come in you. And Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the best substitute that there ever will be. And Lord God, we pray that we would hunger and thirst for you, that the realities that we've talked about today and that we continue to study outside of these moments would come alive unto us. That when we were dead in our sins, in our trespasses, by Christ, with Jesus, you made us alive, Father. I thank you that we'd be truly alive, alive unto our identity, unto our purpose. And Lord, that you would continually renew our minds to live from a place of confidence in who we are in you. Lord God, we love you so much and we praise you for all of this. We pray all this in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody agreed, said, amen. Amen, so be it.